Hey everybody. Before we get to this week's show, I just wanted to invite you to join me for a really awesome opportunity. I am running the first Money Owners group coaching session for small business owners, and I'm super excited about it. It will start on January 7th of 2019, and it will run for 12 weeks. I'm running a group for like-minded individuals to come together in a virtual setting to learn from me and from one another. You will learn all about managing your business cash flows and thinking like a business rock star. You will also get live coaching on the parts of your business that are bogging you down. Examples, cash flow management, time management, setting your value, dealing with those difficult clients, and much, much more. You will feel determined and energized in your business, and most importantly, you will collaborate and learn from one another in this group. If you're in the early stages of your business and need help propelling yourself forward, join us. I promise you won't be disappointed. It starts on January 7th, and it will run for 12 weeks. Go to moneyowners.com forward slash B1 to sign up and get more information. Or if you're not quite ready, there's a place to schedule a 20-minute call with me and talk it out. That's moneyowners.com forward slash B1, B-E-O-N-E, and the link will be in the show notes. Hope to see you there. You are listening to episode three of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Richard. coaching program that takes all the information in this podcast to the next level, providing you with live help for your financial needs. The Money Owners Podcast is designed to help you sort out who you are financially, the issues you are having with money, and how to tackle them to be the best financial version of you. And obviously, we can't do this all in one episode. You'll get some good old-fashioned information on being financially awesome. And as a side note, this podcast does not provide any investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you had a great couple of weeks. I'm super excited to be staring at the wall in my office at home talking to all of you. And I really mean that. I've been enjoying doing this podcast quite a bit. And I hope you're enjoying it too. I wanted to give a huge shout out to DJ Damien, a family friend of mine and a fantastic musician who created my new catchy intro. Yeah, it's awesome. And I'm feeling really good about today's topic. I'm just bursting at the seams with lots of good info for you. I want to talk today about a concept that's near and dear to my heart. If you've ever listened to Jocko podcast, Jocko Willink is a personal hero of mine. You'll hear him repeat over and over, discipline equals freedom and there's nothing truer. So today's topic is discipline equals financial freedom. I don't know about you, but when I initially heard the word discipline, I thought of teaching someone to obey rules with a stick rather than the carrot, so to speak. And that's not really what it means. So Merriam-Webster clearly has this listed as a definition, um, but we're going to use one of the other definitions of discipline today which is to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. I'll repeat that for you. To train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Let's break this down. There's train, develop, instruction, exercise, and self-control. So train and develop, meaning we need to learn how to do a certain behavior. 
Instruction, meaning we need to take some inputs on how to ex execute a certain behavior. Exercise, meaning we need to do those behaviors repeatedly. And then self-control, meaning that we need to contain our impulses to do otherwise. Because there will likely be negative emotions associated with whatever this behavior is, and it's much easier to do well something that's just easier and that feels good. Discipline is a huge topic when it comes to our finances. In fact, it's one of the biggest measures of financial success. Sure, you can earn your way out of all your financial problems, but if you don't exercise some discipline over your financial life, you will ultimately feel out of control even as a high income earner. And frankly, you won't have the freedom that you think you will have by simply making more money. It just doesn't work like that. The more you are willing to do work, form good habits, and take care of yourself, the more freedom you will have with your finances. And this rings true for everything. If we take good care of our bodies by eating well and exercising, we will have the freedom to chase after our kids or take exciting workouts if that's your thing, uh, the freedom to feel good in our bodies and do the things that we wanna do. If we are really disciplined with our time and manage it well, we will have the freedom to do other things that we really want to do with our time rather than being sucked into the email vortex and never coming out. If we are really disciplined about learning new things, then we will have amazing knowledge and skills at our fingertips and we will have the freedom to use that knowledge whenever we want. If we are disciplined about our emotions, then we have the freedom to think clearly, to navigate tough situations, and to make good decisions, right? Instead of punching someone in the face who says something you don't like, or getting angry at the airline agent. The same applies for your money. If you're disciplined about your money, you take the utmost care of all of your dollars, and you are intentional about everything you do, then you will have the freedom of more money, money there for you in case of emergencies, money to do the things that are important to you in your life, money to buy something that is genuinely important to you in the long term. Freedom doesn't equal freedom. Discipline equals freedom. A philosopher said that if you dropped a person in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, they would have a, the freedom to swim anywhere they want, and yet they would go nowhere. They would feel hamstrung. They would have nothing to go towards. But if you drop that same person in the ocean, near an island they could see, they immediately start swimming to that island. This is because once the freedom, quote unquote, is removed, the goal emerges. The lesson here is to put constraints on yourself and then be disciplined about following through. And while today we will only talk about this regarding your money, this rings true in all aspects of your life. And I get it. Financial discipline is really quite hard. I'm not immune to the pressures put upon me by society and daily living to purchase things that I need stuff and I need it now mentality. I'm also not immune to the difficulties associated with consistent savings or restraint needed when making large purchases. I feel you, it's work. We will talk about all three of these today. Discipline around day-to-day -day purchases, discipline around savings, and discipline around large purchases. And while I would also love to talk to you about discipline associated with investing, we'll leave that one alone until my fantastic compliance consultant approves every word of an investment-focused podcast. So in regards to day-to-day -day spending, you can buy anything you want at any hour of the day and have it in your door within hours or at most two days without even getting out of bed. Payments are completely frictionless. You put in your credit card ages ago, but you keep spending the money at your favorite stores and websites. For an example of this, most recently I got annoyed because Amazon needed an updated expiration date to my credit card. I hadn't put in a new method of payment in over three years, all while I was clicking to buy thousands of dollars of cat coasters without even thinking about it. Does frictionless payments make my life better? Sure, in the moment it's fantastic. I need my fix. 
I need my cat coasters, right? But long-term, not so much. Like how many cat coasters does a person really need? Frictionless payments make it much more difficult to exercise self-control. Self-control in general is difficult, let alone when we have very talented people at large companies thinking up ways to make it easier for us to part with our money. On the one hand, it's actually pretty painful to spend money, especially as the numbers get higher. But when the vendor makes it really easy for you to pay, you forget you're even spending money. It's one of the reasons guys like Dave Ramsey suggest that you use envelopes of cash when you're trying to get out of debt. It feels painful to slide that cash across the table rather than swiping a card or clicking to buy. It's easier to exercise discipline when using cash. Does that mean, though, that we can't have discipline with a credit card? We most definitely can. We just have to work harder at it. And you always thought that those credit card points were free. There ain't no free lunch. So what do we do to control needless spending? Here's an exercise I hope you'll try. Notice the moment before you make a spending decision. There's a second before you buy something where you have the time to ask yourself these three questions. One, do I really need this? Two, will this make my life better? And three, am I only buying this because I didn't have the discipline to plan ahead? The more you ask yourself these three questions, the more you can catch yourself in the act. Do I really need this? Will this make my life better? Am I only buying this because I don't have the discipline to plan ahead? There's this concept of using your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that helps you to plan, rather than your reptilian brain, i.e. the brainstem and the cerebellum, to make reactive decisions. So caveat, I'm not a scientist, so anyone who is and is listening to this is probably horrified by everything I'm saying. I do know that planning is the best possible thing you can do for yourself. Planning ahead is where discipline comes from. When you are able to use your prefrontal cortex to make decisions in advance, you will follow through on those decisions and you will not make reactive decisions from the reptilian portion of your brain. Why? You've already decided in advance what you will do. There's no reason for your brainstem to kick in with a different response. You make a rule with yourself. The rule is, I always plan ahead before making purchases. Then you follow that rule every single time. You have to plan ahead until it's so ingrained in your brain that you don't even think about planning ahead anymore. It's just what you do. It becomes a habit. You become a person who plans ahead. You make disciplined decisions about your spending because you are disciplined. That's who you are. You've exercised your planning ahead muscles so many times that you don't even know how to do anything else. That doesn't mean you can't continue to go out to dinner three times a week and buy whatever crap you want on Amazon. It just means that you have to be more deliberate about these purchases. It means that you make these decisions in advance while looking at all the numbers and you plan ahead. It means that you build them into your plan because these are the things that you want to do rather than the things you find yourself doing because you didn't plan ahead. So here are some examples of not planning ahead. You're dining out three times per week because you're terrible at food prep and you buy a bunch of stuff that you don't actually eat. Or here's another example. You're spending money on Amazon because you forgot that your mom's birthday is in two days or yesterday, oops, and you don't have time to go to the store. Here are some examples of planning ahead. You eat dinner out three times per week because it's your favorite part of the week. You plan for it in your budget and that's how you want to spend both your time and your money. Or you bought birthday gifts on Amazon on purpose because you needed something for someone coming up who you actually want to spend money on, not some stupid gift obligation crap that we should probably talk about on some other podcast. 
um, and you like reading purchase reviews, and you have the money for these gifts in your budget. There's also the daily purchases that we need to buy to survive, but our budgets don't necessarily reflect that. A good example of this is our food budget, and I literally mean my and my husband's food budget. My husband Pierre and I were super guilty of this. We used to order all of our groceries on Fresh Direct because we were busy little beavers who didn't have time to trek to Key Food or Costco. We were spending a pile of money on food, way more than we should have been. I consistently bought items that seemed like a good idea or were good for a recipe one time, and then I would be too lazy or strapped for time to prepare them. Pierre was buying expensive steaks. Our two goals for 2018 were to get overall food spending down and to stop wasting so much food, which would also help bring the overall food spending down. We started ordering more stuff from Costco because, hey, Costco is awesome and we were still too busy to shop, at least that's what I tell myself, plus we don't actually like doing the shopping, so it does help to order some of this stuff online. And we still get some stuff from Fresh Direct, but we shop the sales. And we started only buying things that we actually eat to cut down on food waste. And we have done this all year, so not just a New Year's resolution, but an actual behavior change. And guess what? Discipline equals financial freedom we reduced our grocery budget by 35% this year. And there was a bonus, woo! Discipline also just equals regular old freedom. Like Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. We rarely ever ask what's for dinner tonight. It's always relatively the same. I make a large amount of food in the Instant Pot and portion it out. Go check out my super cheap chicken recipe, link in the show notes. I mix and match with spices and sides and I always keep frozen veggies around just to round out my meal. Pear cuts his own steaks and makes other yummy concoctions of ground meat. Dinner just isn't a thing. We save time, effort, and money. Dinner is no longer an unintentional hobby or entertainment for us. And on the rare occasion when we want to go out, we do so, and we thoroughly enjoy ourselves. I always try to order things that I don't eat at home, because going out is entertainment. And we've also made an effort to have good conversation and high-quality time around the dinner table at home. We have a nine-month-old, so we're not exactly going out all the time. But that doesn't mean we can't put on some music, dim the lights, and eat the same old food we eat all week while enjoying each other's company. You can do this too, and you can start doing this right now. Regarding savings, everyone should be diligently saving at least 10% of pre-tax income, though the ideal savings is 22.5% if you want to retire over a 20-year period. And we can talk about why at some later time, but basically the number balances out your current spending and how much would be saved um, if, how much you would need to live off of and all of those levers sort of working together if you were no longer working. But I digress. Yet so many of us have trouble saving the 10% of income number. Something so simple as setting up automatic transfers to savings is so easy and yet so difficult. We actually have to set up this transfer. We have to know how much to transfer. Then we have to keep the transfer going and stop moving back and forth between our checking account, our credit card bill, and our newly set up savings and investment account. We have to have discipline around our savings because discipline equals more savings. Sure, we could just calculate 10 or 20% of pre-tax income, divide it by 12, and then move the money every single month, right? That's super easy. So if I make 120K per year and I wanna save 10%, I save 12K per year and I move 1K per month into my savings account. Simple-ish. What if I also want to put money into a retirement account? What if I spend more than my after-tax income less than 10 to 20% for savings? What if I make 60K one month as a bonus check and the rest is my salary and I can't do level automatic transfers? 
What if I literally have no idea what I'm doing, forgot all grade school math, and pay so little attention to my finances that this seems completely overwhelming and daunting? Okay, yeah, so I said this episode was about discipline, and now I'm throwing math at you, and yes, there are a lot of moving parts. So for that, I am sorry, but please stay with me, friends. I promise it will get better. So worse, the number one tip on blogs to help you quote-unquote save more is to set up a monthly auto-transfer of your cash. So for the average person with consistent W-2 income and no bonuses, turning on automatic transfers with the same amount monthly really works. But for the rest of us, we have to be a lot more thoughtful, diligent, and disciplined about our savings. We have to think about it much more often, and then we actually have to take action about it. We have to plan ahead, we have to be disciplined, and we have to honor our choice to save. My family is another example of this. Pierre and I both run our own businesses. I am paid on mostly a quarterly basis and his revenue is project-based. If we followed generic advice about transferring money monthly to savings, we would overdraw our checking accounts. We must be a lot more deliberate about our savings. We must have discipline, meaning we have to look at it regularly. We have to plan ahead. We have to make decisions about this regularly and then execute on those decisions. We have to set aside money for taxes. We can't just willy-nilly use the money in our accounts just because it's there. How do we do this? Discipline. I set up regular intervals on my calendar to assess business income and expenses, plan for taxes, and account for savings. I honor this time on my calendar, and I exercise discipline to make sure it always happens when I schedule it to happen. And then I make sure to transfer funds, since that's the actual savings part. You have to, you know, click to transfer. So if you're a business owner, freelancer, or someone who doesn't get paid regularly, i.e. you're commission-based, or maybe the majority of your income comes in the form of bonuses, or you're spending some of your bonus to increase your lifestyle, you're not actually just living on your salary, you must do this, and you must do this all the time. You have to be especially disciplined in setting aside money for taxes if you're a business owner, or you have to be especially disciplined in setting aside money for your day-to-day expenses if you're overspending farther than your salary. And if you can't do this alone, and if you find that you're just not making the time to do this on your own, then you should hire a financial planner or a coach to help you with this. So self-control and discipline around savings really just circles back to purchases. I can do all of what I just mentioned, but if I'm spending more than what I make, then I will just have no savings. So how do I save money? I exercise discipline and I stop buying a bunch of crap I don't need all the time. I put constraints on what I am and am not willing to buy. I use discipline to account for extra expenses that come up that I don't even really want to spend money on, like home or car repairs or health expenses. This is something I do for all my planning clients. I increase their personal expenses by 5% to account for the extra stuff that comes up in an annual basis. So something like if a client spends $100,000 a year, 5% of that would be an extra five grand that would be put into their plan for things that come up day to day. Then anything left over, I put that money away in savings or in an investment account. My other option is to make more income and don't have lifestyle inflation that eats away at my savings. But don't fall into this trap. Exercise discipline on yourself now. Don't have the mentality of, I'll be making more later, so it's okay. If you think like that, you will always spend beyond your means. Exercise discipline and control on yourself right now. You need to calculate what your overall savings rate would be and what that leaves you in spending. Know this number. Knowing this number is freedom. You now have the freedom to spend your money while also saving. It's a beautiful thing. To save, I really do need to watch my spending because it's super easy to make more money and feel entitled to spending it. Usually this is because you're working harder. You feel more entitled to a lavish vacation or a nice car. You earned it. And frankly, you did earn it. 
and you will be working until you're 92 if you think you're entitled, which is only a bad thing if you don't actually want to work until you're 92. So definitely ask yourself, how long do I want to work? Am I making decisions now that supports my ability to retire or work by choice at a reasonable age? What does retirement look like for me? Am I in an industry that will price me out as I age? Okay, on to large purchases. Oh, I love talking about this one. Things like your home, your cars, your pinball machines, your fancy once-in-a-lifetime vacations, or your wedding, or that engagement ring you couldn't live without and you pestered your spouse for, and now you pay $700 per year to insure. It's the gift that keeps on taking. Large purchases should be easy. They are the perfect thing to plan for. You can use your prefrontal cortex because you're not on the fly making one of these purchases. The issue here is always the emotions that come up when we make large purchases. There is a reason why they have a big price tag. It's because these are things that you can't live without or you think that you can't live without because you have so many emotions embedded in what you're making that thing mean to you. So here's a good example of that and I'm going to keep using myself as an example today. Pierre and I may want to own a home and I say may because I have some thoughts around home ownership that I need to work out. Anyways, doesn't matter for the purposes of this example, but we want a home and it should be simple, right? We look at our savings, we look at our income, we decide that we don't want to spend more than 20% of our income on a home so we can continue to save money. We calculate then that we can afford X and we only shop within that X price range. And this is very likely what we will do since I'm a nutty financial planner. But I'm going back to the time before all of the financial planning happened. Who was I back then? What would past me be thinking? Past me would look at those numbers and say, but it's really important that we live on a large piece of property and that we have enough storage and that we have an updated kitchen and that we have two ovens and two dishwashers, although I'm still kind of rooting for the two dishwashers, and that our bathroom have heated floors. I mean, really, who doesn't want that? And that we have enough space for kids and separate home offices and Pierre wants a fire pit and we want to live in an area that's super safe where the schools are good for our kids and we want to have an awesome master bathroom and bath and on and on and on and on. I can keep going, but I won't bore you. Past me would not distinguish between wants and needs when it comes to this home because I have emotions wrapped up in owning it. Past me has a bias towards a beautiful, pristine home with everything updated because I grew up with a lot of home renovations. Past me believed that building equity in a home was a foundation of building wealth. And past me did not question any of my thoughts because my thoughts were truths, much like we've previously discussed in the other two podcasts. So if you missed it, go back and listen. And then something changed. We currently live on the second and third floor of a very old home. The floors, they have a little bit of a slant. The heating is always clanking in the winter. And the window AC units instead of central air are constantly buzzing in the summer. The bathtub in our son's bathroom has a little bit of a drip. And you know what? It's all okay. In fact, it's more than okay. We love living where we are. Love. Uh, we're in the middle of Brooklyn, and we're not in sexy Brooklyn. We're in not cool Brooklyn, and we still love it, and we don't care. We realize that we just don't need that much to be happy. There's diminishing marginal returns to some of these things. Which is why I say to splurge on the things that you really love that you'll notice all the time and cut corners where it simply doesn't matter. So when I start to question these thoughts about being a homeowner and about having a dream home, I realize that a home isn't what's important to me. Having a home, a place to go to, a place where my family is, a place where I can love my family and share things with them, that is very important to me. A dishwasher and a washer dryer, 
is also pretty important to me just for my sanity. But the home in and of itself is not. So this is where discipline around your thoughts and emotions is really important. See, just how we discussed in the last episode that our thoughts about our money causes our feelings and in turn causes our actions and then also cause our results. Now we're adding that we can be disciplined about those thoughts. We can question them. We can learn if those thoughts are simply thoughts rather than truths. And let it be known that my thoughts are not truths. I'm just giving you an example. See, owning a specific home in and of itself may be very important to you, and that's okay. I give you permission to spend money on the big things that are super important to you. Just make sure what you're spending money on is what you want to be spending on, money on and that you're being intentional, that you're planning ahead, and that it's how you want to live your life, that you're not just going out there because you've had these thoughts all your life and you're just running on autopilot, buying and doing things. Don't go through life thinking that your finances are happening to you. Discipline is how you regain control. Discipline is how you make choices rather than making the choice to allow things to happen to you instead. It's all a choice. You can choose to be the person who exercises their discipline muscle and takes control of things that are within your control, or you can choose to be a person who doesn't do that and has to react to your finances as they come up. Take some ownership and recognize which person you are choosing to be. It's all a choice, my friend. And that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Money Owners. No homework this week, but the transcript for this show can be found at www.moneyowners.com forward slash podcast forward slash three. If you want to get more information and updates from Money Owners, visit moneyowners.com forward slash subscribe. And if you like the show, please give it a good review on iTunes. It really helps. And I hope you'll tune in again in two weeks. I will be having a very grateful Thanksgiving show. Thank you.